Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. So Bill's got a great word for us. Are you guys ready? All right, Pastor Bill, I don't need to introduce you. Here's my pastor, and he's going to come up and share the word of God. I, I know what I do when I hear me on the radio. I turn me off. So, man, I am very, very thankful to be here and that you guys would come out on a Thursday night. But you have to do me a favor, okay? Whether you want to or not, we have to do this favor. I want to take a picture of you guys so I can show my church on Sunday uh, what's going on here. Is that okay? So if I'm going to be in here... You guys on the side are going to have to come for a second, and if you guys could kind of stand up, and then if you could be a little bit Pentecostal on us, here a little bit, just a little bit. So, let me see, let me see if I, I might have to do this. Can I do that? I don't know. Okay, let's do this. Right, right there, right there, right there, right there. I got to get you in on it. There, there, there. Wait, wait, wait. This is all backwards here. There we go, there we go. Okay. I don't have to have me. Way to go. Say hi to... Hey, there, let me see. Okay, and now get over here like this. <laughs> Just where I, I have, I have one of my guys put it all together to where it makes sense. There we go. Ah! Okay, one, two, three. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we will get to share that and remember that. Um, I, I really shouldn't do this because I'm a guest preacher and everything. And you guys are all homeboys and stuff, and so this is already cool. But there's a new dude in the room. I just want to say hi to Bruce. Is it Bruce? Bruce is brand new in the room. So now, Bruce, here's what you need to know. I'm not Ben. So if you don't like me, come back and listen to Ben, okay? So don't let me represent Calvary Chapel, you know, here in Lubbock. And uh, But I do hope I represent the Lord, okay? And if I'm going to represent the Lord... I would be wise to quote the Lord. So most of this sermon isn't going to be by me. You're going to hear the voice of Jesus because I'm going to steal it from him. I've learned the best way, the best sermons are actually stealing the the message right from the Bible. And not to trick somebody. I'm not going to find a verse here, find a verse there. You know, that's old MacDonald. Here a verse, there a verse, everywhere a verse, verse. We're not going to do old MacDonald. I guess you have to be really old like me and Bruce to understand that song. Um we're going to walk through John chapter 13. So get your Bibles. We're going to see love in action by the Lord Jesus, but also by the disciples and what he expects from us as we follow him. So John chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 1. This whole chapter, you say, I'm not going to do the whole chapter, but just about. So you guys are Bible students, right? Yes. It's okay for you to say Yes. It's not hard to be a Bible student. It just means you read the Bible, you pay attention to what Jesus is telling you, and then you should actually want to do that, okay? So we're going to walk through a, a passage I know you know. You say, well, I, I, we know this. It's the upper room. Right. It's hours before the cross. Right. This is Jesus' last words to the boys. 155 verses. You can say, that's a lot of verses. We're not going to cover 155. That's like five chapters, okay? We're only going to cover about 30 verses, Put on your seatbelt. We're going to go. 
Okay, we're going to go. What is it? Love in action. So he's been working with these dudes for like three years. And now we're right there. We're right there to the cross. They don't know it. They'll figure it out in the next few hours. And he starts this way. John chapter 13 and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The love of Jesus Christ, who loves his own, to the end. How did you pull that up like that? I didn't know we were going to have the words up there. Way to go. Is that the New King James? That's like cheating. These guys don't have to look at them. I'm glad it's up there. I didn't know it was going to be up there. That's a surprise to me. I can put my Bible away and just read that. No, because here's, here's, here's my thing. Here's my thing. When I do sermons, you know, in Amarillo, we have 20, 30 slides because I don't want anybody believing anything I say unless they can see it. Hearing it's one thing, seeing it's another deal. Now you want to write it down, you'll never forget it, but I'm not going to expect that on a bunch of guys on Thursday night after the burgers. Great burgers. There's the guy. Did you guys thank the guy that made all the hamburgers, by the way? I got here like four hours early, and he was already cooking. Don't ever believe a preacher, even if the Bible's open, unless I'm quoting Jesus, because I just lied. I only got here about an hour early, and he was already working. It was really good. It was really good, really good. But you know what's better than the burger? Is the love of Jesus. And you say, well, God loves everybody. Well, he does love everybody. John 3, 16, duh. He loved the world. But that's not where it stops. Did did you know the love of God is a growing thing? He loves the world. But this tells me he loved his own. That were in the world. So you got 12 boys in the room, and he's making a point. I, I, I love my own, my own, my own, my own. Matter of fact, he loves them to the end. Not just the end that's about to happen with the cross, the burial, the resurrection. He's going to love it to their end. Now, I'm interested because I'm one of his own. I'm one of his own. And it might look like it, but my end hasn't come yet. Okay? <laughs> I understand that. Okay, I could fall off that maybe it is my end. This could be my last sermon. But I know this. Jesus loves his own still in the world to the end. I, I, I've got some own. I love my own. Matter of fact, I was in Virginia last week. Uh, my daughter had our 10th grandchild. This would be my newest grandson. Can I see the first picture of Benjamin? There he is, right there. So he's five weeks. And you need to know that he, right there, he is the greatest, I don't care what Ben says, he is the greatest grandson on planet Earth. Do you know why? He's mine. He's mine. Benjamin Isaiah Cook. And right there, he's dreaming about his gramps, me. You say, no. Oh, he's also very spiritual. Can I see the second picture of Benjamin? Uh, the second picture. Yeah, see, he's praying right there. He's only like, you know, five weeks old, but he's already praying. He is the greatest grandchild to me ever. And Ben should be fighting me over his new grandson, who's the greatest. You know why? 
They're mine. It's my own. Do you understand with Jesus? If you are in Jesus, you're not just a somebody or an anybody or part of the overall population of whatever. You are his own. And he'll love you to the end. And he'll tell you things he won't tell the world. He'll tell you things that nobody, for nobody else. He'll tell you something tonight right out of John chapter 13. Maybe you've never thought about before. If you read the passage slowly. See, right there, that's the Lord calling us right now. (laughs) Father, I thank you for your word tonight. You are so gracious, not only to give your word, preserve it, Lord. Now we've got it on our cell phones, we've got it on screens, we have it right here. But I pray that we could hear the voice of your son tonight. And that we could hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us personally, practically, with application. And that, Lord, we would leave different. We could understand love better, not just from you, but from us back. This relationship of love, I pray. So we give you this time together, these 30 verses, Lord. In the name of Jesus, all of guys right here would say, God's people, amen. So if I said, okay, let's get right to it. If we're going to look at love, love in action So if I'm going to say, okay, how's that demonstrated? What does that look like? Well, check out with me, verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot. Now, wait a minute. I thought this was going to be a love chapter. But what are you doing? Oh, verse 2? Okay. I thought maybe you went charismatic on me. Or, and it's fine, because I love charismatic. Okay? Okay. So what, what, what we have here, right in the middle of a love story, this is going to be a love story in chapter 13. Okay? It's going to be a love story. But right in the, in the middle of the love story, you got the devil. you got the devil right at the beginning. Matter of fact, I have to give you kind of a hint. As we walk down through these 30 verses, we're going to find, actually, there's a conspiracy theory. But not a conspiracy theory. There is a conspiracy. It's not a theory. There's a conspiracy in the middle of the love story. And it's going to show up like five times as we walk through this. And if you don't pay attention to it, you're going to miss that there's a subplot underneath of this overall proposition of a love story. He's going to love his own till the end. But right there in the middle, in the middle of the upper room at supper ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And I'd want to shout back there, no, no, no. Oh, but it goes on. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, was going back to God, was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. What in the world are you doing? Now, we know this story. Do you know the culture? That, that Jesus with the boys, and, you know, he's had Mary Bethany wash his feet with her tears and her hair. But now, with the disciples, oh, you didn't know. Hey, Bruce, you came on a night. We're going to wash each other's feet. Right now, we're going to have a foot washing contest. And you know what? Everybody in the room thought, no, don't do that, Pastor Phil. Please don't do that. You know why? Hey, ain't touching my feet. Do you understand the culture? Do you understand the, I can't say the word I want to say, so I'll say they were really dirty? You say, what, you don't want to say that. I'm telling you what, their feet were filthy. 
They were crummy. They were full of, I can't say it, yuck. Who wants to wash those feet? Matter of fact, in that culture, in that culture, it was law. You couldn't, if you were in a Jewish home, you could not, you could not have a Jewish slave wash feet. It was against the law. In many cities in, in that country, you couldn't even make your lowest slave do that. Only in some Gentile homes, only in some homes where you had a Gentile slave, I should take that back. If you had a Gentile slave, the lowest slave on the totem pole, then they could wash the feet. The lowest slave of the, all the slaves. Jesus is now the servant of all servants, but the problem is not their feet. The problems are mouths. See, they got dirty, filthy feet. They got dirty, filthy mouths. You say, well, it doesn't say that there. Well, that's why we have four Gospels. Can I see Luke chapter 14? It tells us part of what's going on. Excuse me, thank you. I see Luke 22. Luke 22, 24. And there was a dispute amongst them. This is the upper room. This is what right before he does their feet. There was a dispute amongst them as to which of them should be considered the greatest Hey, guys, I'm going to die in a few hours. We're having this Passover meal. And you're back to that same stinking, filthy talk again. How many times, over and over and over, through the Gospels, you're trying to figure out who's going to be the greatest. Like, who's going to be the vice president in the kingdom? I told you, my kingdom's not of this world. Who's going to be the secretary of state? Can you hear him talking? They still want him to get rid of Caesar and set up your kingdom. We're tired of the politics. We're tired of the taxes. We're tired of watching our country go down the tubes. So do something. He must be doing something. He can talk about a kingdom. So what do you think you're going to be? What do you think I'm going to be? Can you hear them? Can you see Jesus going like, how many times do I got to tell you guys? So if I was Jesus, I'd just burn him right there. Be glad I'm not Jesus. I'd be burned with him. See, the problem's not just their feet. The problem's their mouths, which is really the problem with the way they're thinking. So what's, is he going to tell them again, you know, to be a servant? He's going to tell them again what he's been telling them for three years? Or is he just going to humbly get up and show them? As he started taking his clothes off, can you see that in the room? And then they're like, what's our, what's our rabbi doing? What's he doing? And then he girds himself with a towel. He doesn't have it like ready over there. He has to go and get a basin filled with water, and he comes back. And by the way, it didn't take like three minutes. He's washing their feet. Hmm. He demonstrated what this love story is all about. Then he clarified for them. Verse 6. Then he came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you... Washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to Peter, What I'm doing, excuse me, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Way to go, Peter. You put your dirty foot back in your mouth, except it was about to be clean, but you just stuck your foot in your mouth again. It's funny how we think we know more than the Lord. Are you washing my feet? You'll never, no way. That's in the umay tense, double negative. No way, baby, are you going to wash my feet. Hopefully you guys have learned already. Don't try to tell the Lord what to do. Even when he takes you beyond your comfort zone, and now he's doing something you don't fully understand. You know, how am I talking? What do I think? What's going on? Now the Lord humbly comes, and then Peter puts it up. It sounds 
macho, but hmm. Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you shall know this after this. You shall, you will know after this. Peter said, you shall never, no way, no way shall you ever wash my feet. Jesus answered him, this is the clarification, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. Aren't you glad we have 1 John chapter 1? You know, and that we can understand what? When, when, when we get saved, when we say yes to Jesus, by the way, our sins are forgiven, forgotten, we're cleansed, but our feet still get dirty. You have no part with me. What do you mean I have no part with you? Well, sin still creeps into our lives. He who, is without, he who says he is without sin is a liar. And so I don't want to be that liar. I, I sin. By the way, I sin every day. Every day. My feet get dirty. And I would be wise to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, want, I need to confess this. I need my feet washed again. I, I, I want to be in fresh fellowship, intimacy with you. The whole thing's a love story. I mean, and the love story <laughs> involves being freshly cleansed from Daily sin. So my sins are forgiven, but I still am a sinner. You, you understand what I'm saying, right? So here's Peter saying, you're not going to wash my feet. Like, if I don't, then you have no part with me. Well, then not my feet. This is where he goes hyper-spiritual. Then wash all of me. Now you're already clean. Come on, Peter. I just need to do your feet. You're clean and all of you are clean. Oh, except for the conspiracy that runs through this chapter. Notice what he says. He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. Hmm. The second reference to the conspiracy. Verse 14, he expects this love to be duplicated. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, guys on a Thursday night, Calvary Chapel Lubbock, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Can I hear an amen? amen? You say, I didn't want to say amen at the first. I only said it because you said it. Well, I'm glad you said amen. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. Here's the reason why, here's the reason why, the reason why, the big why. If you know these things, if you know these things to be a servant of servants, blessed, happy are you if you do them. Well, I've already heard this sermon. Great. Do you know it? Oh, I know this sermon. Do you do this sermon? To be blessed, by the way, the word blessed means happy. Happy. To have a happy Thursday. I don't know if you had a good Thursday, lousy Thursday, normal Thursday, kind of okay Thursday. Did you have a happy Thursday? No, I didn't. Well, Thursday's pretty much up. Do you want to have a happy Friday? Tomorrow, that's tomorrow, okay? Ain't much you can do with today yet. You can't, okay, you can't fix it very much. Get your feet clean, and guess what? Well, how will I have a happy Friday if you do? Nike, just do it. Well, I know what to do. <laughs> Be a servant of servants. 
Serve somebody. I'm sorry, I don't know the guy that you cooked the hamburgers. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Joseph. Joseph. That's a great name. Hey, Joseph, now he's smiling. And, and by the way, he was a servant to us. Can I hear an amen? And you say, man, the burger tasted pretty good to me. Not as good as it did to Joseph. Do you know why? Because he served us. And that day, we have to go and pat him on the back. Way to go, Joseph. You know, It just comes when you are a servant. So I, I don't know. You know, I don't know you. You don't know me. And uh, But to have a happy life, have a happy Friday, be a servant. You say to who? <laughs> All the people with stinky feet around you <laughs> and stinky mouths. You probably live with some of them. You probably go to church with some of them. For sure you work with them. No, 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 no. I'm just going to tell them what to do. No, you can't tell them what to do. You have to wash your feet. You'll tell them what to do. They're not going to listen. That's not the key. The key is to be a servant. You guys already know that, right? I'm only telling you what you know. But really what I'm trying to get you to think about this is a conspiracy that's going on in the middle of a love story. He's already hit it twice. Twice. So if you do these things, if make sure on Friday you do it. Figure out how to serve your wife. Figure out how to serve your kids. Figure out how to serve your church. Figure out how to serve the people you really don't like at work. Figure it out. And guess who ends up happy? Not them. You will. That's what Jesus said. Amen? Bruce, I'm just getting started. These guys, but hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay? Watch what happens next. Okay, how are we going to verify this? I mean, all this stuff, Jesus is going to actually give a prophecy to them in verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. There it is again. That's the third time. There's a conspiracy. I do not speak concerning all of you. Not all of you can be happy. Not all of you are going to be servants. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. I know whom I've chosen, but that the scriptures, that the Bible, the Old Testament, that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. What? In the middle of the upper room, Jesus quotes a scripture from the Old Testament, a very obscure scripture, and he uses it as a prophecy. The scripture has to be fulfilled. What scripture? He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Oh, see, this conspiracy thing we've seen three times already. Now he's getting a little bit closer to it. He's using a prophecy to prove that he's the Christ in the upper room. Are you tracking with me? Tell me you're following me, okay? And so you say, well, where did he get that? How about Psalms uh, 41.9? Do I have that on a, on, a, on a slide? We have Psalms 41.9. He actually quotes this from David. Even my own familiar friend whom I had a hamburger with on a Thursday night, I trusted him. He ate bread. He ate my bread. Has lifted up his heel against me. That's, that's weird that Jesus would go back to David talking about Ahithophel. Understand the culture, the biblical culture, to have a meal with somebody. I mean, we just all ate hamburgers in there, and we had a pretty good time, right? I mean, we had hamburgers, and yep, way to go, Joseph. But it wasn't like it is in the Eastern cultures. It's not like it is in Israel. You sit down and have a meal with somebody. It's like your blood, your blood brothers. It's a trusted thing. It's a friendship. It's deeper than us just talking about the cowboys, or I guess there's a Steeler guy in here somewhere. I'm a Bronco guy, but that's another story. Anyways, um, no, it's so much deeper than that. You sit down at my table, and we are very familiar, loyal friends. 
We're bros. We're homeboys. And Jesus in the upper room said, I know there's 12 of us, but you need to know not all of you are clean. And one of you, he who's lifted up his heel against me, we had bread together, he's going to lift up his heel. I tell you, I'm dumping you. By the way, Ahithophel did that to David. And then later, Ahithophel hangs himself. Oh. Now, Jesus is going back and tagging that reference because the same thing's happening in the upper room. But he's giving it to them as a prophecy so that they can believe in him more. So he's taking an Old Testament reference, very obscure. He's just turned it into a prophecy. It's going to be fulfilled. And when you see that happen, you're going to know I'm the Christ. You say, where'd you get that? Well, I didn't finish reading the verses. And so look at what he says. Verse 19, now I tell you before it comes, I tell you before it comes, before it happens, that when it does come and it's going to happen, you may believe that I am he. Moses, surely I say to you, he who receives whom I send receives me. He who receives me receives him who sent me. It's going to happen. One of you will betray me. It's going to be like Ahithophel. I'm going to give you this prophecy. You're going to see it take place, and then you're going to believe that I am. And you say, well, I thought they already believed. There's so many levels of belief. So it takes that first one. When you first say, yes, I do to the Lord Jesus, guess what? You are brought in your family, but you're a brand new babe in Christ. You're just an infant. And then there's all these other stages we go through that we believe more and more and more and more and more. I'm 66. I'm still figuring out how to believe deeper. And he keeps coming to me and prophecies and things that happen right before my eyes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's dropping this on the boys that they can believe in him even more. One of you is going to lift up your heel against me. But I'm going to send you guys out. Matter of fact, that's how he ends in verse 20. Most assuredly I say, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. You're going to be my ambassadors. You're going to represent me. I'm going to send you out. You're going to believe so much. You're going to be missionaries. And they're going like, well, we were just talking smack. Yeah, you were. I cleaned your feet. I'm going to get your mouths back. We're going to get this done. Somebody's going to betray me. Do you catch the atmosphere? Love that's tormented, love that's tormented. If I went back and said, how do you think that really sounds? How does that sound? Can I see the Bible knowledge commentary quote real quick before I go on? No, no, the Bible knowledge commentary. Oh, I I don't have it. Okay, I'll save Tasker for a second. Take Tasker off. Don't don't read Tasker yet. Oh, there we go. And so, uh, love tormented, verse 21, we're in chapter... 13, verse 21. When Jesus had said these things, when he said what? Somebody's going to lift up their heel against me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled. Can I hear you say the word troubled? Love that's troubled, love that's tormented. Sovereign God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who wrote the Psalms, who understands how it's going to be fulfilled, with Judas in the room, and he throws it down as a prophecy to be fulfilled so you'll better understand who I am. Amen? How did it sound? When Jesus said those words, how did it sound? It tells us how it sounds right here. Jesus, when he said these things, he was troubled, he was tormented, he was agitated in spirit. 
He testified and he said, most assuredly, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say to you, one of you will betray me. That's the fourth time in the passage. One of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another perplexed about whom he spoke. See, if if we don't pay attention to the words, if we don't put ourselves in the room with what's going on, we might think that Jesus spoke like this. As sovereign God, I know what will be in your tomorrow because I am in the past. I'm always in the now. And Psalms 41 verse 9 will be fulfilled right before you. And the one that's going to betray me will be coming along. And when you see it happen, he'll lift his heel against me. Then you'll know that I am the Christ. We might think it's like that. Because he's sovereign, he's God, he's Lord, right? You might think maybe that's that side and that maybe that's how he sounds. It didn't sound like that. It's love that's tormented, love that's troubled, like, guys, I can't believe this is going to happen. What are you going to betray me? No, wait, Jesus, I thought you would be this all control, all things, all in order, God. And he is. And yet, in the responsibility of man and what's going on, and the free will that Judas has, the free will that Judas has to say yes or no, and the disciples, whether to wash feet or not, there's this, let's think about a relationship, and you're not a robot. He didn't computer program you to be what you're supposed to be. You understand that, right? But sometimes we can get messed up in our theology, go too far to one side, and we think, oh, everything's going to happen just the way it's supposed to. Yes, but when it does, it bothers the heart of Jesus. Do you know why? Because he loves you. He loves Judas. Do you know what Jesus wants? He wants Judas to love him back. Do you know what Jesus wants from you? For you to love him back. Well, I did when I got saved. Well, you got started. You're not at the end yet. This love story with a conspiracy in the middle of it, and the conspiracy is somebody's going to betray Jesus. He knows about it. He drops it. Now it's a prophecy that they'll see fulfilled. But he's troubled in spirit. A devotional I read daily with the king by Gail Evans. I actually worked on this sermon for about 10 days while I was in Virginia. On October 18th, he said this in the devotional. Love's need. Love's need. I've been taught from my youth that God is the self-existing, self-sufficient one. And he is. Indeed. Right, Quentin? Right, Ben? Yet, the Bible tells me God is love. Specifically, John, 1 John 4, 16. And at once I'm confronted with the profundity, if God is love, then God has a need. For love must always have an object. If God is love, he has a need. That need is certainly fulfilled in God himself. For God is a trinity. 
Each person of the Trinity is loved by the others in the Trinity. Can I have an amen, Quentin? Can I have an amen, Ben? Self-existence. They love each other. It goes round and round and round. And yet, the Bible says, God loves the world. Can I have an amen from every man in the church? Oh, see? He loves the world. By the way, God loves everybody. 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 Hmm. And yet the Bible says God loves the world. He loves not only himself, he also loves the human race. He loves me. He loves you. Hmm. If God loves me, he needs me. Now, even Gwent and Ben are afraid to say amen to that. If God loves me, he needs me. See, what can happen? What can happen right here? What can happen right here is you fall too much on the one side. He's self-sufficient in a sense. He doesn't need anybody, right? Right? You say, no, he just wants us. He wants you? I think you're, you're, you're a little lack if you just say he wants you. He loves you. He needs you. I'll tell you what, your burgers were good. I want another burger. But you're not going to get my grandson for another burger. I'd only give my grandson for something that I don't only want, that I need. Are you tracking with me? Sometimes we get so caught up in like, well, are you talking about need or want? Let me tell you, he sent his only begotten son to die because he needs you. To be self-sufficient? No. Because he loves you. I told you I was going to stretch everybody. And you say, well, you do your own math. Well, no, wait, 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 wait. The lover of souls of men, the lover of souls men, needs lovers. The worshiped ones, uh, the worshiped one, he needs worshipers. If God loves me, he needs me. For the object of one's love is, uh, is of necessity, necessary to the happiness and welfare of the lover. How, how else? How else? How else can I explain the convulsive weeping of Jesus as he overlooked the city of Jerusalem from one of its hills, realized that they had rejected him. It was love frustrated, love tormented, love denied its rightful objects. My Savior agonized when people said no. Do you know why? He loves them. And I'm not afraid to say he needs them. Because God the Father sent his Son. He loves you that much. Now, we can get back and forth. I'm not here to have a theological argument. I'm telling you, our Savior in the room throwing down somebody's going to betray me. There's a controversy going on. There's a there's this huge conspiracy going on. But I'm going to love you. Matter of fact, I'm going to love him, even though I threw the, the prophecy down. Well, then everybody's saying, you know, the other boys are sitting there going, is it me? Is it me? The gospel is it me, Lord? Is it me? Even Jews said, is it me? And then they're saying, Lord, don't let it be me. He got their attention. Jesus is going to love Judas on the spot. 
one last time. He's going to honor the betrayer. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Verse 23, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. There was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. You guys are all scattered out. I don't see anybody leaning on either buddy, anybody's bosom or chest or shoulder. You, you and your son are the closest to it. But if we all went over to Ben Ben's house for the football game, let's say he decided to do ribs and wings and everything, and I've been to Ben's house, he said, okay, you guys are all going to come over. So if we all showed up, and sure enough, he's got the ribs and the wings and everything, and we go into his living room, well, you're going to find out that his living room doesn't have enough room for all of us. But you know what? If the Cowboys are playing and you got enough ribs and we're down, so we'll sit on the floor, we'll sit on the couch. If I got to snuggle up next to you, I mean, if I'm just side by side, then we're gonna we're gonna root. Are, are you catching my drift? Are you catching it? And in that culture, to sit like you are with your son, that was very very common, very very common. These guys love each other. Jesus loves him, and one of them is like leaning on Jesus. Are you? And so they're going like, is it, is it me, Lord? Is it me? Is it me? Then Peter's got to figure it out. I mean, Peter's got to figure it out. Leaning on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, that would be John. Simon Peter therefore motioned to John and asked to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, John said to him, Lord, who is it? So can you see the room? Can you see the controversy? Can you see the clean feet? All that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to fulfill this. You're going to see scripture fulfilled. And somebody's going to lift their foot. No, 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 no. And I'm troubled in spirit. I'm telling you, one of you is going to betray me. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? No, no, no. And then Peter going, find out who it is. Can you see Peter telling John? And John's just leaning right up against Jesus. So if you can see John going like, Lord, who is it? You can tell me. (laughs) Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I've dipped it. Having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. You want to know who it is? Watch who I honor. Watch who I love. I'm going to take the bread. We're going to have a toast. So you have to understand the culture. To honor somebody around the table at this meal, we're going to have a special piece of bread. It's like a wedding. When you're at the reception, here's to the groom, here's to the bride. It was their way of raising it up. Now I need to see the quote by Tasker. Please. He's honoring the betrayer when Jesus offers Judas a special morsel from the common dish, such such as was customary for a host to offer to an honored guest. It is a mark of divine love, whichever seeks to overcome evil 
with good. Can I see Wearsby? When Jesus gave the bread to Judas, it was interpreted as an act of love and honor. In fact, Judas was seated at the place of honor. So our Lord's actions were seen in that light. He was bestowing a special honor on Judas. Can I see Guzik? Sometimes we imagine people, we imagine people are against us when they are not. And it makes us suspicious and unpleasant and afraid. Jesus knew Judas was against him. Yet his love, his love, his love, and his goodness seemed to become greater instead of lesser. Jesus even gave Judas the chance to repent without revealing him as the traitor to all the other disciples. Come on, Judas. The devil's messing with your head. Come on, Judas. I'll love even you to the end. Come on, Judas. Come on. I wish everybody would receive the Lord. I wish that every 12 men you have, that all 12, we got a good dozen. But it seems like there's always one devil in the middle of the bunch somewhere. And Jesus knows that. You know, the 155 verses in these chapters, mostly all about love, the new commandment coming. Before we can get there, we got to have clean feet, a clean mouth, and a clean room. You want to know who it is? It's your last chance, Judas. Of course, he rejects. We know that. He's culpable for that decision he makes. Jesus knew, but he's still in his free will and responsibility made that decision. Love rejected. Verse 27. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him before the devil's messing with his head. But now, after taking the piece of bread, Satan entered him then Jesus said, said to him, what you do, do quickly. So I can almost see that eyeball to eyeball. Here it is. Satan now enters into Judas. The boys can't see that. Jesus knows it. And then eyeball to eyeball. Go do it. What you're going to do, do quickly. I didn't mean to point at you, Quint, when I was talking about Satan and the devil. I just, I have it over there. Let me get this right. We get the love. You got to clean the feet, clean the mouths. We get the love. We got to clean the house. We get that. But in the middle of all that love, you've got conspiracy, 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 conspiracy five times. You're going to have a prophecy fulfilled. When it's fulfilled, then you guys are going to know who I am. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I love to watch prophecy when it comes true. I only know of one prophecy in the recent history that I know, that I know, that I know came true. Israel in the land, May 14th, 1948. Bang, I'll put that one down. Everything else could be, could be, could be, but I can't be as dogmatic as that. So I love it because he said, you're going to know, you're going to know, you're going to know the Christ when this happens. So it, it just happened, right? What he said is a prophecy 
just happened, and then you guys are going to know. And so Judas leaves, Satan fulfilled, he raised his heel, he's going to take care of that, all that's going to take place. Look at what happens, verse 28. Verse 28. (laughs) But no one at the table, no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. What you're going to do, go and do quickly. Well, you should know he just told you. He just told you, whoever I give this piece of bread to. Like, duh. And so then when Judas leaves, after receiving the bread, nobody knew, what are you talking about? What just happened? For some thought, some thought, because Judas had the credit cards for the whole dinner that we had. Judas had the money box that Jesus had said to him, buy these things we need for the feast, or that he should have give, give something to the poor. That's what they actually thought. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out, Judas went out immediately, and it was night. Okay, you cleaned the house. Judas is now going to do what he did, and the prophecy got fulfilled. But everybody sitting around going, uh, what just happened? Well, he's going to get some food for the poor or for the meal tomorrow, or he's, got, he's doing something. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, this is your opportunity. You told him a prophecy is going to come. You told him it's going to be fulfilled. It just happened right before him. They asked for a sign, whoever gives the piece of bread to, blah, blah, blah. So, da, 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 da. Now you get to tell him about the conspiracy theory. Only it's not theory, it's conspiracy. He doesn't. Can I tell you, the sermon starts right now. The sermon starts right now. Why in the world, after setting them up with the prophecy, why doesn't Jesus tell them what just happened? They misunderstand. Jesus clarified their misunderstanding. Bring some light on it. You want them to believe that, who you are? I know that, I know that, I know that. They're going to figure that out. When he's hanging from a tree two days from now, they're going to figure it out. But there's something more important than paying attention to the conspiracy in this chapter. You know what's more important than the conspiracy? Love. Unity. I've got 11 guys. we got 125 chapters to go. 125 verses, not chapters. 125 verses to go. Finally, we get it to where I can talk about love. We got rid of the feet. We got rid of the mouths. We got rid of Judas. Now we can focus on the love. Don't focus on the conspiracy. Focus on the love. He's not going to clear it up. Because you know what? If he went into that, then they're all going to think about this. The conspiracy. Judas, are you tracking with me? That's why he skips right over it. And notice what he says. It's love protected. Love protected. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now, now, now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. Aren't you going to explain it? No, I'm not. I've got something more important. Verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another the way I've loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Do you understand? Love protects the unity. Love protects the family. Love protects the church. They had a big old church fight right here. Love protects it. And try to figure out who's right, who's wrong, and all this kind of stuff with every conspiracy that's going on everywhere. I mean, am I I the only man in the room that back when COVID started, and every time you turn on the news, it's getting darker and darker and darker? I don't know about you, but I lost it. Because I want to know who's behind it, who's controlling it, where's it going, and why are you doing that to my church and me and my family? So I'd go home like... Probably most of you did, and I turn on this news or that news or this YouTube or that new. Take your pick. And it got darker and darker and darker. You know what happened to me? I got mad. Do you know who heard about it? 
my wife. You know how many times she heard about it? Like 40 times a day. I'd, I'd go to her and say, you don't know how bad this is. You don't know how it's going to, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I did that. I took the conspiracy theories. I blew up my own house. Where I should have focused on the love and the unity of my marriage, my wife. You know what's worse than that? My mom, my mom was living with us. Do you know why? Because she was in a retirement home. We didn't want to leave her over there with the COVID thing. So come live with us. So there's my mom who birthed me. And I'd come home and turn on the news and I'd get mad. And I can't go in front of my church because we can't meet as a church. And I can't YouTube it out there. So you know who I'm going to spout to? <laughs> my mom in my home. I, I can remember saying to my mom, you don't know how bad this is. It's going to get really bad. My mom's 90 years old. <laughs> One day I came home. She's packing her suitcase. I said, where are you going, Mom? She said, I'm leaving. Well, you can't leave. Yes, I can. I felt about that big. She went home for five hours and she came back. And I had to figure out my own heart. When people start fighting, what's most important? Not the fight. Love and unity. It's your marriage. That's your kids. This is your church. I'm not saying the issues don't matter. I have personal convictions about a lot of stuff. They don't matter compared to love and unity. Jesus made a prophecy. The prophecy came true. Skipped right over it to love. They'll figure it out later. Amen? I don't know about you. I had to do a lot of repenting. I have to still be very careful. I had a man today, brand new in our church, And he asked me, what do you think about the back? I can tell you what I think about it, but I won't divide my church over it. What do you think about where this came from? I have my opinions. I won't divide my church over it. I've got something more important to do. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ and love that works into any country, under any political realm, any situation. And so I want to be smart enough to know what's going on. I'm not going to just roll over. Am I communicating? Protect the unity of your home, your marriage, your kids your church because then you can talk about what love really looks like for 125 verses amen you say well is that the end of the sermon ah that was the big point but there's another point i skipped over pretty quick love personalized because we can talk about the disciples we can talk about john you can talk about ben But I need to talk about Bill. You need to talk about you. Because right there in the middle, did you catch it? Did you catch it? When Peter going, hey, find out who it is. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom. That's interesting. One of his disciples, it doesn't say John. It doesn't say the author of Revelation. It doesn't say the guy that you know, stood with his mom. It doesn't say five books of the New Testament. It doesn't even say John who loved Jesus. It says who Jesus loved. 
who Jesus loved. Five times in this book, five times, John personalized it. Whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus loved. loved. I want to personalize his love more specifically, a growing love, so I can love him back more. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. We can debate the difference between want and need, but I'm telling you, he died for me. He loves me. He wants me on his breast, whom Jesus loved. The other half of what I just read to you. When Jesus when Jesus said to the woman of Samaria, give me a drink, he was expressing not merely a physical need, but an emotional one, as the sequence of the story reveals. Love was in need of love. The water of life was in need of satisfaction. How often I have treated my quiet time. How often I've treated my quiet time as give me time. When I'm concerned with my emptiness, my weakness, my weariness, my sinfulness, my, my, my. I fail to see that Jesus also has a need. He needs my love, my worship, my obedience, and above all, my company. I need to sit by his side as a dear friend, sharing his heart secret as he shares mine, rejoicing in the mutual balance of our love. Lord, let me not deny you that small cup of water and that simple invitation, give me a drink. <laughs> I tell you, it really made me think different. Like, Lord, no, come on, come on, come on, Lord. You know, you love me. I, I, the Lord loves me. And, and you want me to love you back? And like, you want me to do this? Uh-huh. You need me to do this? Uh-huh. Well, how does that make sense? Well, my grandson, Benjamin Isaiah Cook. I showed you Cindy's favorite picture in his brain picture, but can I show you my favorite picture, my favorite picture of Benjamin that I took last week anyways? Oh, that's that's my little buddy boy. He's only like five and a half weeks old, but I can see that lip sticking out. See that little fist there? And so, like, I, I would hold him. He doesn't have a clue who's holding him, but I would hold him. And you say, well, why are you holding him? He's mine. He's mine. Well, does he love you? He doesn't even know who I am yet. But I'm already praying over him, singing over him. You're probably crazy like I am every, you know, I'm I'm already, okay, I can see a preacher in there. Come on, Benjamin, come on, Benjamin. And I got you, Papa's got you, Papa's got you. You say, why are you doing that? Well, he needs me. I want him to know Papa loves you. Papa loves you. I want him to know that. And I need him. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Oh, no, I do. Can I see the second? My favorite, uh, not only picture, this is my favorite position with Benjamin last week. I'm on the back porch. They live in the woods. 
I'm out there for like literally like an hour and a half. What are you doing? Nothing but holding my grandson. Why? <laughs> he needs me. Or do I need him? Or is it like, yes, yes. Well, he doesn't even know it. He's just sitting there. Is this online? Yeah, he's just sleeping and pooping his diapers. He's just, <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on. Well, I know he doesn't know what's going on, but I know what's going on. And I love him unconditionally already. I'm praying for him. I have a great future for him. And I, I want him to know when he grows up experiential love from Papa. I, I want him to know. I'll do whatever I can, as often as I can. So he'll know it. I've got 10 grandkids, and now we started that way with all 10 of them, and now we're down to Benjamin. You bet I will. You bet I will. Well, why? Because uh, one day, can I see the last picture? One day, very, very soon, it's probably already happened for Ben, but here in the next two weeks, instead of looking at the ceiling van going around with his eyes open, Hey, Benjamin, I'm over here. I got a couple glimpses of it last week. Hey, Benjamin, I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over here, buddy. I'm over here. And he would kind of look over and then keep on going over here. And so yesterday my, my daughter said, no, he's starting to track. And then when he can lock eyes with my, my daughter, all of a sudden then he smiles. Do you know why? Because he's realizing somebody loves me, and that's my mom. Who needs Benjamin? Benjamin needs me. I need him. Whom Jesus loved. Amen? There's two sides to a relationship. Two sides. Grow with your Savior. He'll hug you more. Amen? Father, thank you for your word as we wind this up. I, I thank you that Biblical answers and verses, and yet there's more to the equation that, that pulls and stretches us, Lord. And I pray love stretches me. And I know in your eternal existence, I know you don't need me. But somehow you decided to make man in your own image with the breath of life and the delight to walk with him in the cool of the day it wasn't like we're a pet or a program or just a project. We're your flesh, your children, your blood. That, Father, you would give your only begotten, the highest that anybody could ever give, to love us. And then with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and time and experience, Lord, the body of Christ, to walk in your love, to grow in your love, whom Jesus loved. Help us to see your side of the equation and that what we do matters to your heart, I pray. So that love have its way and its will. And Father, I pray for my friends here tonight. Thank you for their patience. In whatever part of this sermon, Lord, to where we might need to repent, we might need to get saved, we might need to just say amen, we might need to wash some feet, we might need to turn off some conspiracy theories and get back to love and unity. Whatever it looks like, Lord, practically, I ask that Friday would be a day of happiness for us as we wash feet for the glory of Jesus. And all God's men would say, then I'll let you close it, my friend.
I just want to thank you guys for coming out. I know some of you drove all the way from Seminole and other places. Just thank you, thank you so much for coming out and hanging with us. And, and I pray that you were blessed. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.